Good morning. I have a question to start. How many people have read the book of Philemon? If you've done it, have you done it to see how fast you can get through it? Because I have. It's 25 verses long. It's not that long. It takes less than a minute, probably, if you're a good reader. But that doesn't mean that it's void of any good content for us to apply to our lives. So I hope that by the Spirit's power today, you are built up by this message from Philemon and by God's words, by Paul's words, for us. As I've gone through my life, as I've gotten more experience in life, I've found that one thing remains the same. There's always pain in my life. Life is full of hurt. And it's that kind of hurt that cuts deep and sits right in your heart, right in your soul, and it just stays there. It's the type of hurt that keeps me up at night. It's the type of hurt that comes from things I can't undo, words I can't unsay, thoughts I can't ever unthink. It's that pain that comes from those times where I didn't want to say I was sorry because, quite honestly, I wasn't. Or those times where I didn't want people to say they were sorry to me because I didn't want to forgive them. I would venture to guess that most, if not all of you, have felt one of those things in your life before. And as I look at those times, I see that they really weighed me down and they hurt not only me, but they hurt all the people around me. They hurt my relationships. And those hurts, those pains, they bring us to a place where we need help. We need guidance. We need loving counsel. And so the book of Philemon is really about three men who were hurting. They were in deep, deep pain. The first one, the first man is Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave who had stolen first from his master, and then he ran away. His master's name was Philemon. And Philemon was a Christian leader. He was a connect group leader of his time in the city of Colossae in ancient Greece. Christians would gather to his house to to worship and and to share life together. And so he was well known in the Christian sphere. But given that he owned slaves, we can assume that Philemon was wealthy and that he had influence outside of the Christian sphere. So this offense of Onesimus running away, that broken relationship is likely well known through most of the city of Colossae. And it's a serious offense too. By Roman law, a runaway slave could be put to death. And then you had the theft on top of the death sentence. And things don't look too good for Onesimus. But he knew that, and he still ran away. He still ran away to Rome, where he found the Apostle Paul. And there Paul either introduced for the very first time or reintroduced the gospel of forgiveness to Onesimus. And so part of that hurt goes away. His heart is changed and, and renewed But the hurt and and the consequences of his actions are still very real. Sure, he knew that Jesus forgave him. He knew that Paul forgave him, but I doubt that Onesimus was ready to go back to his slave master that he had run away from. And I doubt that Philemon was ready to welcome Onesimus back with open arms. 
But Paul, he counsels these men. We don't get any words from Paul to uh, Onesimus, but we do get Paul's words to Philemon in this letter. And you see, as you read the letter, that Paul cares about these men very deeply. Listen to some of the things he calls Onesimus. He calls him a dear brother. My son, my very heart, he is useful to me. He is very dear to me. So he's, he's very close to Onesimus, having only known him for a very small portion of his life. But then he says about Philemon in verse 7. Look at what it says here. Your love, Philemon, has given me, Paul, great joy and encouragement because you, brother, you have refreshed the hearts of the saints. These are Paul's friends. And it pains him to see them at odds with each other. It pains him as much, just like it pains God, when two Christians are in less than a loving relationship with each other. We've heard it all throughout this friendship series that we are to treat the people that God has put into our lives with love, with grace, with compassion, with care. But I think we can all agree that this is a little more awkward to deal with, a runaway slave and his former master that he also stole from. But Paul's words here, we can apply them to our pain, to our hurt, to our broken relationships as well. And we'll see through just a few of these verses that Paul is, is a Christian friend who counsels from the heart. We'll see Paul start doing that. We're going to jump in at verse 12 and start with verses 12 through 14. Paul says, I am sending him, that's Onesimus, who is my very heart, back to you, Philemon. I would have liked to keep him with me so that, I, so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. The first thing Paul is aiming to do as he counsels from the heart is to preserve relationships. Paul wants to hold on to Onesimus. He makes that known. But I also think he wants to hold on to Philemon, and it's a little different. And that's why he goes so far as to speak so highly of these men. He's flattering them. And it's not that vain type of flattery that so often comes out of our mouths when we're talking with people. It's sincere. You could call it a a holy flattery. It's that same type of flattery where we as spiritual leaders stand in front and we say, you just did something really great. Keep doing that. Awesome job. That same type of encouragement is what Paul is using here for Philemon and for Onesimus. And that encouragement flows out of a heart, out of a love that celebrates every relationship that Jesus has given us. And it celebrates those relationships even when those relationships bring hurt into our lives. But that's not all Paul does. On top of that encouragement, on top of that flattery, he also is sending Onesimus back to Philemon. Now you remember, there's a death sentence on the head of this slave. So sending him back seems to be a death sentence in and of itself. 
But Paul doesn't send Onesimus back empty-handed. He sends this letter with him. And he's using this letter to counsel Philemon, to, to change his heart, to move him to Christian love, to Christian action. And he also gives another reason as, as he writes this. Verse 14, he said, I did not want to do anything without your consent. Paul would have liked to keep Onesimus to help him and to, to minister to him while he's in prison, but he knew that Onesimus would be much more useful to Philemon and for the, the greater work of the church as well. And Paul didn't want to hold on to Onesimus for his own kingdom because he knew that could possibly form a rift between him and Philemon. Paul wanted to hold on to that relationship with both of these men and he wanted to reconcile these men. That's why he writes this letter and that's why he speaks so highly of these men. That's why he does what he does here. Uh, but Paul does not stop there. Paul keeps going with verses 15 and 16. He says, Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Do you sense how Paul is... is really healing and bringing this relationship back and preserving it. He's saying, Philemon, I know you're upset that you lost a slave for a couple weeks. You lost his work and you lost something that he stole. But stop worrying about that. Because even though you lost a slave, heaven gained a soul. You lost a slave, but you gained a brother and you gained a brother into all eternity. Philemon, this happened for a reason. And Christians, everything happens for a reason. And it's not an empty, vain reason. We might not ever know or be able to put our finger on what the, the reasons are that pain comes into our life, that this deep hurt comes into our life. But Paul has a pretty good idea why this hurt came into his life. So that he could highlight the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, and bring it back into the lives of these two men so that Onesimus would no longer be looked at as a slave, but he would be looked at as a brother in Jesus. It calls to mind Paul's letter to the Galatians in chapter 3, where he says, there is, no, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Christians, regardless of your race, regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, regardless of your job or your social status, you have an important relationship to keep in mind. That is your relationship as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now at this point, we're more than halfway through the letter. And the only reason I say that is I want to show you that Paul is taking his time. And it's not because Paul isn't sure what to say. He's not nervous about getting to the point, that awkward point where he's going to ask Philemon to do something for him. He's taking his time to show that he cares about these men. He opens his heart to these men to show just how dear they are in his life. Why do you 
go to counsel your friends or your family? Do they know that it's because you care about them? Is it really because you care about them? Or is it just so that they stop arguing, they get out of your hair, they stop embarrassing you? So often after one pass at trying to fix a relationship, we throw our hands up in frustration because what we did didn't work. What we had in mind didn't happen. We give up so easily because it's hard to preserve relationships, especially when that hurt cuts so deep and it invades every fiber of our being. That's because we're focused on our heart, on what we want, on our reputation. And that's why as we counsel from the heart, we don't do it to just show our heart, we do it to show the love of Jesus. Paul does that in the next verses. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done, done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. These words pair very well with a parable that Jesus told in Luke 10. It's about a man who was traveling down a road and he was jumped and beaten by burglars, by robbers, and left to die. Two men that you would expect would stop and help him. They each pass on their own on the other side of the road, leaving him to die. And then the one person you would never expect to help him, a Samaritan man, stops, picks him up, bandages his wounds, puts him on his donkey, and takes him to a nearby inn. And I think the most, important, the most uh, surprising part of the story is when the Samaritan leaves the inn. Because he not only pays for a, a night's stay at this place, but he tells the innkeeper that if there's anything else that needs to be covered, any other charge that comes up, Put it on my tab. I'll take care of it. Jesus told that parable to a Jewish religious leader who wanted to know who his neighbors were, who his friends were. And it came as a surprise to him, and it maybe comes to a surprise as a surprise to us that our neighbors aren't just the people who live next to us or the people that we see every day. Our neighbor, our friends, are the people who love like Jesus loved. That love of Jesus is a love that gives and gives and gives and gives without expecting anything in return. Paul is ready to reimburse Philemon whatever he asks. He's going to pay back for whatever Onesimus stole. Some scholars even say that Paul is willing to work as a slave in place of Onesimus to give back that work that Philemon lost out on. He goes so far as to write in his own hand, scribes usually wrote for the apostles, and Paul is saying, this isn't a scribe, this is me saying it, this is my own word, you know me and I will make good on what I have promised. Paul wanted to make sure that Onesimus would not have to pay any part of the debt that he incurred. Now, 
I'm hoping that you are feeling a personal connection to Onesimus. Because really, we are all just like him in our hearts. When sin came into the world, every human being who would ever live was made a slave to sin. And God declared in his law that there is a death penalty for anyone who's a slave to sin. You don't even have to run away from your slavery. You're just being a slave kills you. But God also promised that there was a perfect payment. There would be a perfect payment for that debt, one that we didn't have to worry about paying. God sent his very dear son, his very heart into the world. And Jesus lived a perfect life. And he lived and died in such a way as to say the words of verse 18 in his own special way. He says, just think of it this way, Father, I know that these people have wronged you. I know that they owe you their very lives, that they deserve to die. But put that penalty on me. Charge it to me. That charge was made at the cross. And so your debt is canceled. It is paid in full by the blood of your Savior, Jesus. That is the type of love that Paul is showing to Philemon for Onesimus. It's not like Paul was some sort of superhuman when it came to loving people. But he did know where his love came from, what the source of his love was. And his, his love tank was filled up so much with the love of Jesus that it just spilled over into the lives of everyone he met, everyone he talked to, everyone he wrote to. That love spilled over out of Paul's heart. And our love comes from the same place, from the cross of Jesus. For you, showing the love of Jesus might be taking some money that you have set aside for a vacation or or a a fix-up in your home, and giving it to a neighbor whose house has been struck with disaster. You love like Jesus when you forgive a friend, a child, a spouse, a parent when they know they've messed up and even when they're not aware that they messed up yet. Your love becomes like the love of Jesus when you put aside past hurts You look at that person as a brother, as a sister in Christ, the way Jesus looks at them. You love them. That is a counseling heart that gives and gives and gives without expecting anything in return. When I was in college, or when I graduated college, there were some things going on in my life that were less than Christian. I did not look to preserve relationships that were in my life, Christian relationships, good, healthy Christian relationships. I refused to say I was sorry for things that I did. I refused to let people say they were sorry to me. I refused to be counseled by anyone. So I harbored pain. I harbored anger. I harbored frustration in my heart. Finally, after a few months... I agreed to see a pastor and seek some counseling. 
And I had my whole speech ready to go. I was going to lay out every last detail and say I was sorry for every last thing and that I would change and I would do better in the future. And he stopped me before he even got a sentence out. He said, Lucas, I'm, I'm not really concerned about your past because those things are done. Leave them at the cross of Jesus where they're forgiven and I forgive you too. Tears welled up in my eyes right in his office. It was the first time I had met him and I didn't want to cry in front of him, but it was just so overwhelming. It was like I had heard forgiveness for the first time in my life. And I bet that that's how Onesimus felt as he sat next to Paul and Paul said, I forgive you. Jesus forgives you. Forgiving friend who counsels from the heart, goes a long way to restoring us, to refocusing us on Jesus. That, that refreshment that you feel, that overwhelming feeling that you feel from forgiveness, it's amazing. And we do that in, in counseling, in talking to people in our lives because it refreshes not only their hearts, but it refreshes our hearts as well. Paul already pointed out that Philemon had refreshed his heart and refreshed the hearts of the saints. And now listen to what he says in verse 20 and 21. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Isn't it interesting that Paul the only benefit he really wants out of this whole ordeal is to have his heart refreshed by the love of Jesus working through Philemon. Just think about it. If, if we went through life without ever hearing the words, I love you, I forgive you, Jesus loves you, Jesus forgives you. Sure, Jesus still died on the cross, but no one lived like it. I imagine it would be like going through a desert that really never ends. But then when, when we treat people the way that Jesus treats them and we are treated that same way, the way that Jesus treats us, we find the oasis. We find the refreshment of forgiveness that brings a new start to our parched hearts. Paul brought that new start into the heart of Onesimus and into the heart of Philemon. It goes a long way to restoring us to, to that new self that's in us. When we come to worship and we are reminded of our forgiveness through baptism and, and we're pointed to the forgiveness at Holy Communion, our hearts are refreshed. When we hear the word and we hear beautiful songs, our hearts are refreshed. When we gather with other Christians throughout our weeks to talk about life and to talk about the Bible, our hearts are refreshed. Now take that refreshment and share it with those who need it. Say to them with Jesus, with Paul, friend, I know there's pain, I know there's hurt, I know there's guilt in your life, but I care for you, I love you, and I forgive you. The result? Well, Paul says that he's confident that Philemon will do more than he could ever ask of him. 
Unfortunately, that's really all we get. There's no postscript of what happened between Onesimus and Philemon. No trailer after the end credits. Nothing like that. But we do have a letter that was written 50 years after this letter. It was written by the church father Ignatius. And he wrote to the church in Ephesus and addressed the letter to their pastor named Onesimus. Same guy. It is somewhat difficult to tell. There were probably other men named Onesimus at that time. But if it is the same guy, and I think it is, then we have an idea of what happened after Paul wrote his letter. And more importantly, we have an idea of how our God works. He takes a former thief, a former slave, and puts his confidence in him, entrusts him with the gospel, entrusts him to lead a body of believers. And he works the same in your life. God works in your hearts and he puts his confidence in you, knowing that you will do more than anyone will ever ask of you, all by the power and all by the love of your Savior, Jesus. Amen.